Are you tired of spending hours listing cards for sale? Well, the ComC Marketplace is the easiest place to sell cards online. ComC will identify, scan, list, store, insure, package, and ship. Just send them the cards and they will take care of the rest. All you have to do is set the price. Visit ComC.com today to start selling your cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to join John Newman for an episode of his Sports Card Nation podcast, and we talked for almost an hour on a variety of topics. And I'm going to share that conversation today as our episode. John's been podcasting a long time. He's one of the people that gave me some initial advice as I was getting started for this show. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to hear a little bit from John if you are not already familiar with his show. So that is our episode today. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Like I said, it's almost an hour long, and so I don't want to delay anymore. I hope you enjoy it, and I'd love to hear what you think afterwards. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Always love having the next gentleman uh, on the show. He's been on the show multiple times. I'm not even sure where we're up to now. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's probably one of the, the leaders in appearances on this show. But uh, like I said, always love having him and uh, want to welcome to the Sports Card Shop guest line, uh, Mr. Mike Summer, Wax Pack Hero. Hey, thanks for having me, John. If I I knew that I was coming back on the Sports Card Nation podcast today, so if I was going to be on the show, I knew that I had to sponsor myself up. So I've got the Sports Card Shop t-shirt, I've got the ComC hat, I've got the Upper Deck mic, and I'm drinking a delicious Soda Stream carbonated beverage tonight, all for you. <laughs> I'm honored, I think. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And, and that's not lip service, Mike. You know, uh, we've always pretty much gotten along and uh, been on your show. You've been on. And there's certain people, like I said, before we even started recording, that are just going to be staples at least once a year, if if not more. Uh, you're on that you're on that short list. And so figured with some of the recent news uh, in the hobby, I do appreciate uh, your point of view. And, and, and there's been times where. I've heard you say, talk about whatever certain topic and made me think about it either a different way or do a 180 and literally uh, change my mind on, on, on a way I was thinking. And that's always a mark of, of to me, of intelligence and, and, and sometimes clear thinking. So we're going to chop up uh, some of that stuff. But before, you know, you're, you obviously have a podcast in your own right. You're three and a half. Uh, years in I guess uh, I'll kind of give you a few questions that all at once like does it feel that long and now being three and a half years into it what have some of the differences been from when you started 
to now. And, and not even so much with your show, although that's fine, but just in the content create creative space that you've uh, that you've seen. Yeah, that's a great question. I just hit, I think this week was episode 221. And yeah, like you said, I started in like December of 2019, right, right before things started to get crazy. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun this whole time. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed it. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, I've seen some transitions in my own show over that period of time. You know, I started out with all these ideas of things I wanted to cover. I was going to do two episodes a week and I started doing, doing that way for the first six or nine months. I was doing two episodes a week and most of those were solo episodes. And I, then I started to transition into having interview guests. I realized that I loved having other people come on the show, get some other perspectives, get some other insights, things that I didn't know myself. And so there's a big part of the show now that is is probably every other episode, almost half the episodes are me interviewing somebody else as, as a part of the show. That's been a transition. Um, in, in the summer of 2020 is when I started the LCS on the weekends. And with some of those additional responsibilities, some things had to go. And so the second show a week was one of those things that, that had to go. And so I moved from two shows a week to one show a week. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years. It, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, from time to time, I think, you know, as I start to hear and see other people and other shows. And as I gain more and more experience, both in the hobby as well as podcasting, I think sometimes I question, I saw, to be honest, I question how much value am I really adding at this point? Because there's so many educational voices that are, that are coming at the hobby from so many different angles, which is a great thing. Um, but sometimes that makes me question, you know, how much, how much value am I really adding now? How is my voice, you know, really that, uh, much of a of something that people need to hear you know with so many other voices out there but it's still a lot of fun and i still feel like um if anything i'm able to share a little bit of my perspective and hopefully somebody uh, finds some some value in that i think the last thing you said was what i was going to come back with here mike is sure there's a lot of shows as, as you you just mentioned but I, I like to think, uh, myself included, but definitely you, we each bring a kind of our own perspectives. You talk about stuff that happens in the store uh, when you're there, deals, deals you didn't get to do, you know, complete. You, you've talk, you talk about, the you know, the hits. You talk about the strikeouts. Uh, I try to do that even with some of the shows uh, I set up with uh, and just experiences in general, right? So I think when you – when you talk about your own experiences, I think you're bringing, that's like fingerprints, right? Well, I know a lot of deals are similar. Uh, you know, it's all, you know, there isn't too much that hasn't been done. They're, they're still unique to, to each person and, and to each uh, podcast and show. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll say it. I've said this before. Uh, when you weren't here on the show, I'll say it when you're on the show, right? There's some podcasters, if you will, that maybe don't like, to talk about uh, the negative stuff or, or I don't want to say negative, but a stuff that didn't work out the way you want. Uh, and I'll, I'll pat both of us on the back in this sense. We, uh, I know I've done it. I've heard you do it. Like say, Hey, you know, I, I didn't hit this goal this year or uh, great, you know, great collection came in and we just couldn't uh, agree on a price that made sense for both of us. And so, 
no, you know, no sale, no transaction was made. And, and it's that honesty and genuineness, right? It's not, you know, because a lot of people just want to talk about all the great moments. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But I like to, and I know you, you're the same way, you know, tell the whole story, right? And I think that's maybe what sets some shows apart from, from other ones. I feel that way. I always, when I hear whether it's you or me or a, another content creator kind of talking about something that didn't necessarily go according to script or a, as they wanted it to, to, I always find that refreshing because it just, it, to me, it shows an element of honesty and genuineness and sincerity. Um, and, you know, when that same person talks about something good that they did or happened to them, you know, not that no one's not telling the truth, but they're just you, you take it more at, at face value like you should when they're talking about both sides of the aisle. You, you kind of agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah. I think from the beginning, you know, as I talked with you as I was getting started and I talked with Eric Norton and I talked with other folks who had been doing some podcasts and content creation one of the things that I landed on that was going to be important to me was that I was going to be genuine and I was going to be authentic and I was going to tell my story, you know, as, as I went through this and as I started to share. And I think that I've done that. And, um, you know, as you talked about, there's a lot of other people that have come in and a lot of those folks have a different style and a different approach and a, they bring, they come at the hobby in a different way. And for a period of time, I found myself being a little bit like, well, they're doing this and their audience and their following and their, you know, is just going through the moon. I was like, but that's not who I am. I, I can't do that. And so one of those, again, transparent things is I, I got a little bit comfortable with the fact that as more and more of those voices came, that meant my audience has been kind of plateaued, you know, for the last period of time, because a lot of that audience is being split and people, you know, listen, said, you know what? I'm not all about what Mike is about. You know, I've got different interests. And so I'm going to, to listen to some of these other shows or follow some of these other shows. There's almost so much time of the day and that's fine. And, and I had to get comfortable with that fact is I'm going to keep being me. I'm going to keep sharing things from my perspective, approach the hobby the way that I want to approach it. And that I enjoy approaching it. And if there's other people that are out there like me, they're going to be the ones who gravitate towards my show and, and listen and join in. Or if there's people who want to hear what my perspective is, that's what, what they're going to gravitate towards. And if, if I'm not somebody's cup of tea, that's fine. And there's plenty of other options out there to hobby the way that they're passionate about and to find people who create content that kind of gravitate towards those mindsets. And that's okay too. But it took a little bit for me to, um, get comfortable with that, I guess, you know, is that I, and to realize that I can't be all things to all people if I want to stay genuine and authentic to kind of my own voice and my own approach to the hobby. Yeah, well, well said. And, and I, I agree with you. And, you know, I'm sure you get asked, I get asked occasionally with someone who's either thinking about starting their own podcast or at least in the early stages. And I'll get asked, you know, hey, John, what uh, any advice? And I, I don't throw a bunch of stuff at him, but what you said, and I probably told you this, you know, back, you know, four years ago, whatever it was, you know, and it was what you said. I think it, it's true. Like, just be yourself, right? Because people, people can snuff that stuff out uh, anyway, even if you weren't, you know, uh, I like to be funny, but I'm still being uh, myself. Like, anything I say or do is, is, is is accurate or at least uh you know my opinion you know 
And and that's the one piece of advice. I don't throw a ton of advice. Uh, have fun. Be yourself, right? Because if you're doing this and you're not having fun, it becomes really work-like. And, uh, you know, it doesn't pay like your job should. So uh, you should this should be like an outlet, just like the hobby itself, right? And so that's those are really the two biggest right off the top. Um, and, and like you said, people will gravitate that, that kind of like the same things, uh, you do, and you'll sort of have your, your built in baked in audience and that can grow too. And you're right. Stuff plateaus. And then all of a sudden you see an increase in plateaus. So, you know, it's like the hobby people, people leave, people come in. Um, it's constantly kind of growing, shrinking all at the same, all at the same time. And so, uh, if you be yourself, uh, you know, like my grandfather said this when I was uh, a young kid and I was raised by my grandparents. He said, uh, you know, if you be yourself, you don't have to pretend to, to be anybody else. And uh, I, I've kind of always been instilled in me. So, yeah. And I think, you know, you hit on something else there that I think is important. You talked about, you know, family. One of the other aspects that I've come to realize, and I think it was probably Eric from you know, those back pages, Eric, who kind of when he encourages people, he says, also think about it from that perspective of when you put things on a recording and whether it's a podcast, whether it's a YouTube video, you're capturing you and that generations from now, your kids, your grandkids, other people out there, they're going to be able to look at that, listen to that and get a better picture of who you are, what you are about, the things that were important to you, the conversations that you've been able to have with other people. It's not just going to be a story that's passed down to generations about what grandpa used to do. They're going to actually be able to listen and hear those things. And I think about that a little bit too, when you, especially when it comes to that authenticity. When some of those personal stories come through, like you've shared and like I've shared those are things that are now captured and and commemorated for all into the future for people to, to go back to to your kids your son to go to go and and hopefully maybe someday your grandkids or whatever it might be right when you're authentic they're getting a real picture of who you are they're not getting a character they're not getting a uh you know a front that that is being put on they're getting who you are and so i look at the podcast and I look at some of the YouTube videos and the TikToks and the Instagram reels and all of these other things that I, that I do not just to entertain, not just to help educate, but also to capture who I am so that folks into the future are going to be able to look back at that and have a better understanding of who I am too. I think that's a pretty cool thing about content creation that sometimes we overlook. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Eric uh, did say that he would keep, he's been on this show. I know he's been on your show. He, he coined it when, when he was here. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure on your, he said, leave a legacy. When he first said, leave a legacy, you know, legacy is a big word, right? You think of like a celebrity or a, a superstar athlete, but we all have stories, whether we're how, regardless of how famous we are, we all have a histories and right. You, you like, like Eric said, and you you said right there, right? Leaving that stuff for people behind us to, uh, you know, hit play uh, and hear. Uh, we may not even be around. Hopefully we are, but we may, you know, we're not going to live forever. Uh, so that will always, uh, you know, exist for those who want to learn more about you, whether it's a family member or uh, a hobbyist that does not, maybe not even in the hobby yet, 
uh, and and they can find that information. And especially you do a lot of you do a lot more of this than I do with, with kind of teaching different things about how to do this or look at it this way. And 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 that's always a good thing. And a lot of that stuff, as you well know, is, is going to be evergreen. That you can you can click on that ten years from now and still take probably ninety percent of it is still effective, and uh, if not more. And uh, I think that's uh, that's important. And so, you know, when Eric first said about leaving a legacy, it sounded such like such grandiose. But then, you know, hearing him explain that, it made a lot of sense. And, and you touched on a, a lot of it uh, right there. And so uh, that's another great point for someone who's thinking about starting, whether it be, like you said, YouTube or just an audio podcast or a combination of both or, or other social media, like you said, there's short forms, right? And TikTok and whatnot. They're all they're all can be there for years and, and decades later for anyone to kind of uh, find and see and, and learn. And I think that's a, a great point. And uh, a matter of fact, one of my future articles I'm going to write is kind of pertaining to don't take that for granted, right? Is to uh, that stuff's uh, important. And, uh, you know, the, you know, even even for your own self, right, to look back and remember a time in your life, you know, maybe five years ago. And maybe you've even changed your mind. Like, man, I'm a different I have a different mm-hmm. opinion today than five years ago. I've done that. I'm sure you've done that uh, and that sort of thing. And that's always kind of like the self-growth uh, type thing. So I, I think it's important. All right. Uh, you know, we're both mine. Well, I'm not anymore. So I kind of put in a, uh, again ahead. But uh, you were one year ahead of me in the Montgomery 582 Club that, that Tops uh, started. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you well know, right, it, there was a period there, Mike, where everything was like instant Midas touch, right? Everything turned to gold. You got it. You could, whether you wanted, whether if you wanted to open it, you probably did well, or if you wanted to sell it, intact you did even probably even better and it was it, let's be honest it was it was nice because it, it it paid for the the membership to the club and then some and then you can acquire some stuff for your pc as well it started to change a little bit i was on the fence uh about going i know i talked to you kind of off the air about what what your intentions were i wound up not doing it uh so i guess my first question is did you do it and what you know? What are your thoughts on kind of where it started, and and where it is even today? So yes, I am still a member. I did renew for this this coming year, but I like you. Um, after last year, was on the fence of of whether I was going to renew again this year. Yeah, I, I signed up in the very first year. I think it was about two hundred dollars that first year. And you got your complete set, five or six other mini sets throughout the year with at least two guaranteed autographs. That's what that first year for $200 was like. And I thought that was a pretty interesting concept. I thought it was uh, uh, an interesting opportunity, something I was willing to take a chance on at that price to see if I'd get some value back. The second year was really the goldmine for people, especially if you were a member in the first year, because that second year going into 2020 was when they added on the pre-sales. The first year, there were no pre-sales to the online exclusive products. It was just the the guaranteed products that were part of the club. The second year, they added on those pre-sales 
and members who were uh, in the club the first year were able to renew at that same price. And so you're able to get in that second year at the original $199 or whatever it was. And that was right when everything started to get short. And so any of those pre-sales were guaranteed profit. And so it was a gold mine to be in the, in the Montgomery club in that second year. The third year was similar. We started to see a little bit of a change with some prices of those pre-sale products come up. And by last year, the people who were renewing at an elevated rate, it had the, the idea of those mini sets and the, and the guaranteed um, full box set, the full you know base set with the special stamp, that was an afterthought. And it became all about the pre-sales and people were excited to get in for that. But as we know, Tops was like, wait a second, people are making way too much money on this. And last year, the value except for a couple of those pre-sale products really wasn't there. And so um, the, the prices that they were charging us members to buy some of those, those um, online exclusive wax boxes were, were pretty steep and things had started to normalize. And uh, I, 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 if it weren't for a few well-timed sales early on in last year's membership year, it would have been tough to, to break even you know, with, with some of those products, um, especially if you wanted to keep anything for yourself of, of the actual membership products. And so that's what was making me pretty skeptical about whether I was going to renew going into this year. Um, but then going into this year, they revamped it a little bit. They limited and kind of called out the specific five or six pre-sale products that there was going to be. And they cut the actual guaranteed products down to the special factory set and one product with no guaranteed auto, uh, autograph. And they reduced the price quite a bit as well. And so I was like, well, I'm going to give it one more chance and, and see how things go here. Um, I've been a member this whole time. I want to kind of keep that going. And so I decided to go ahead and take a chance um, for this year as well. We just got our mini set a couple weeks ago. Um, so we really hadn't had any products through the first five months of the year or so. And so we just had our first product that was okay. Um, sometime late summer after series two is out is when we'll get that factory set and that's fine. And we just had access to our first pre-sale as well um, that I went ahead and picked up. I think it was the uh, Star Wars Sapphire product. And um, it was at a reasonable $200 price tag. At least it seems reasonable. We'll see how things go, you know, um, it, it wasn't a, a crazy three or four or $500 price tag that we've seen on some of those, those products. So I'm uh, the jury is still out on whether or not the 2023 Montgomery club is going to be worth it. So that was, that was a long, a long conversation about uh, where things started, where things are at now and kind of what my current thoughts are. Well, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter. You, like you said, you were, you were in it right from the, the jump. Uh, so I do appreciate your opinion. I know you've done episodes uh, talking about, I've even done a, a few of those for that matter. Uh, but you're, you know, you really deep dive into, uh, you know, the pros and cons and, and this year was a really good year if you were in it. Uh, and, and, and I want, again, going back to appreciating someone who gives you the straight scoop, right? You, you said, Hey, I'm, it's the jury's still out. Well, it's to be deterred TBD to, to whether, this year was going to be a good Montgomery club year or, or not. Will you 
you know, it's funny for me. I, I missed the first year, Mike, and I think it made it easier for me, you know, not to make excuses, but I do think it made it easier for me to not like join this year. Like I said, I didn't. Had I probably been in it from the jump street the first year, which I missed, it might have been where I almost felt like I didn't want to give it up. And that's just a natural human nature to, to you know, when you start something, you sort of want to, you know, do the, the, the conclusion. Do you think there was a little bit in that for you? Like, uh, I don't know if you want to call it FOMO. I don't think it's like the true definition of FOMO, but being that, hey, I was, I was an inaugural member here. I really don't want to get off the ride just yet. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I was, I was an inaugural member and all of those factory sets and all of those mini sets I've got in a binder that I look at regularly. Right. So I didn't sell any of those kind of sets that were guaranteed parts of the club. I added those to my PC. Originally I joined it to build my PC, the, the pre-sale access that was all, added on later on. Right. And so there was a little bit of that, you know, I'm, if, if I can justify this at all, I'm going to go ahead and sign up again and take the chance and kind of be able to continue that binder with every one of those guaranteed sets that were part of the club. The hard part, like you said, is the key thing about now, is it worth it? Well, the, the 150 or $200, I, I don't even remember exactly what it, what it was back again down to in 2023 with the only one guaranteed product in that factory set, it's not going to be value worth it. If the guaranteed pre or the pre-sale products, those six products or whatever are priced through the roof, right? You know, those, those two sets alone aren't going to be worth it anymore. And whether or not this year, the jury's still out, it's because it all depends on what tops is going to charge us for those pre-sale products. If they are too much and they flood the market and they give us pre-sale access, but they're not sold out and the, the they're publicly available to everybody on tops.com as well. And, you know, it's just not gonna, it's just not going to do anything, um, you know, overall from a value perspective. And so we'll just have to see how things go, you know, from here on out, um, whether it's going to be worth it. I am glad I'm at least going to be able to continue one more year's worth of products to add to that binder that I've got all of those other ones in. And it's fun to look back at, you know, who you had as, as rookies and things in those products over the last few years. It's been, it's been neat to see those things build and the different designs, but we'll just have to see how it goes. But um, yeah, there is a piece of that for sure that, you know, being a, a founding member or inaugural member or whatever they call it, you know, it's, it's kind of neat to have every single product that they've released as part of the club in my collection. Yeah, completely understand that. And I think, like I said, me not being, and I have a binder with the years, I think the three years I did it, uh, I have all those sets in, in my binder. And like you said, it's fun to look at some of the rookies they put in it, how they're doing, was it a good call, bad call, that type of thing. Uh, but I'm missing that first year, right? So I think it was easier for me to kind of get off that train uh, because of that. But it had that, uh, like in your case, um, you know, you want you want to keep going. I mean, uh, again, the, like you said, the jury's still out. The verdict's not in. If it, if the, if it was over today and it was time to renew, and again, you can change your mind, and this is just hypothetical. I mean, where, which way would you lean uh, today, would you say? 
Oh man, it's it's so tough because we've only had the one product and one yeah. of the like five or six pre-sales. And so it really would come down to, I, I really need to see what they price these next several pre-sales at and what they price the club membership at and what products or what mini sets they're going to guarantee, you know, going into 2024. Is it still going to just be the factory set and one mini set or are they going to kind of layer back in some additional some additional products. Um, if they would have kept it the way that it was priced in the the style and the format that they did in 2022, I would not have renewed in 2023. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I uh, maybe a better question real quick too, Mike is, are, are you seeing the fanatics influence on the Montgomery club at all? Or is it too early? You think to, to determine that? I think it's it's a little bit too early to tell. I mean, if anything, you maybe saw small pieces of it going into the restructuring that we, we moved into in 2023. I think they increased the number of memberships that were going to be available to people, which, you know, fits in that fanatics mold of wanting <laughs> wanting more customers and more guaranteed cash flow coming in. Right. So I think we saw a little bit of that. Um, we by reducing the number of presales that streamlined their operations because tops.com quite frankly wasn't able to handle the flood of presales coming in and it seemed like they were messing something up every other presale and so they cut that back which meant that yeah, I'll, 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 we we even had some conversations during some of those snafus like hey did you get it no did you get because we wanted to check like is it me is it is it across yeah. the board so yeah I, I i definitely uh definitely remember how many times like you get the email link and you you literally just get it and you click on it and it says sold out you're like how is that possible that it's like five minutes ago like timestamp on email and then you kind of keep it and refresh and it became uh, i don't want to say a nightmare but it definitely could there was some frustrating uh, frustrating moments and, and, and whatnot. Like you said, though, I think fanatics, you know, their, their MO or their, what they want to do is, is, is grow the hobby, uh, you know, substantially. I mean, it'd just be curious to see, you know, what they do with Montgomery club in, in factoring into that uh, equate uh, equation as well. So. Yeah. It'll know. be interesting to, to see how it goes. I mean, I think those changes for 2023, um, we're geared towards getting more people in the club, but streamlining the the whole operation and the support of the club at the same time. You know, they tried a few other things over the last couple of years. The Tops Future Stars Club was something that they did that was a subscription model where you got a blaster box of different products and a mini set every month. And I love that as well. That was that was awesome. And you got to see a variety of products. And for basically 25 bucks a month, you got um, your blaster box, you got this mini set and you got some kind of trinket sticker, you know, phone case, you know, whatever it might be like a little trinket along with it. And it was a pretty cool opportunity as well. Um, but they, they just cut that. Didn't tell anybody, just stopped talking about it, removed it from the website. I don't think there was ever an announcement that the thanks for being a member of the future stars club. We're discontinuing it. It just went away. And, um, you know, there are a few other things like that, that I think could have been cool opportunities to help build the hobby, but you know, they, they discontinued that. It must not have been, been worth it as, as fanatics took over and looked at the books. 
Yeah, that's a good segue kind of my next question for you, Mike. I know you get this question from whether it be listeners or people coming into to the store and, and talking with you. I get it, uh, whether it be at a show or, or email or direct message. like, And it's really blunt and direct, right? I'll get a question like this that says, John, are you worried about the direction the hobby's going? I'm sure you get it, too. What's your take? You know, and, and when the whole fanatics acquired the, the baseball licensing out from under tops, you know, being a Brooklyn kid, it, it really definitely, it jarred me, it shocked me. And, and, you know, at first I was stunned and then, you know, dust settles and you're like, listen, you know, as much as my love for tops, just because they were in my backyard and I grew up on it, when you take a step back from that, really look at, you know, they, they made a lot of mistakes. They got maybe a little bit lackadaisical design and, and we can go on and on. And so I thought, well, maybe some fresh eyes, maybe a new perspective isn't the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't have ordered this like off a menu, but there's nothing we can do about it. Right. So we got to like, you know, uh, I'm not leaving the hobby because of something like that. So you sort of like make the best of it. So at the time I, I said, when people asked me that question, then I said, I'm caught, you know, the two words I used were cautiously optimistic while I, while I wouldn't have you know, ordered this, like I said, or wanted this to happen. Now that it is, let's, let's give it a fair shot. Now, here we are, you know, a couple years, almost two years uh, later, um, uh, you know, and I get asked the same question. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I hope, you know, a lot of times we hope our, we're wrong with some of the way we feel, right? Gut instinct. I'm a little more concerned today than I even was when that, that news first broke and seeing some of the way fanatics handles business. Now they're not doing anything. They're not breaking any business laws where they can get in trouble or fined or, or in front of Congress. And, but, but I think we both can agree they're pretty cutthroat uh, when it comes to the corporate uh, world. And again, there's nothing illegal about that, but it also makes me a little tentative because I, I just kind of say, if they're like that on that level, what? Why would they stop and just be all about the bottom line and dollar signs when it comes to us, the little guys, so to speak? And so I'm a little less cautiously optimistic. I'm not leaving the hobby. Uh, I'm I'm heavy vintage at this point now too. So, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I like's already been. You know, I, I almost say what they do almost unaffects me other than from a content creation. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but it's, it's, it's highly accurate. You know, I, I guess when you get asked that question, I'll, I'll kind of put you a little bit, you know, what's kind of your, your assessment uh, or how do you answer the same question? Yeah, I think, you know, as you were kind of sharing your perspective, I think we align on a lot of those, those mindsets. You know, I also was going into it with the idea that I think there's some fresh blood that could have been um, a good thing, that, that there's some different perspectives that can come in that are going to gonna be a good thing. It seemed like Tops and Panini had been a little bit lazy in both their, their product offerings as well as um, customer service and innovation and a lot of those types of things. My preference would be that 
instead of fanatics gobbling up exclusive licenses for three products for 20 years, my hope would have been we would have shaken things up by adding additional licenses and that maybe they could have come in as a new entrant um, with an additional license to help prompt some competition. And so I think that's my biggest, if I'm going to have a concern, my biggest concern is we're, we're only extending this, this current environment we find ourselves in with exclusive licenses for a long time into the future. As far as the different things that they've done, you know, I think some of them I've liked and some of them that I've, I've not liked as much, but like you, ever since we saw this huge run up in wax prices throughout 20 and 21, I shifted almost all of my hobby spend from wax into singles collections, vintage, like you mentioned. And so very little of what I buy now and what I actively collect is new stuff that Fanatics is going to have any kind of hand in at this point. And so for the most part, a lot of what I'm after, a lot of what I sell in the shop, because I, I don't sell new wax based on the arrangement that I've got, the things that they're doing don't impact me as my my re- buy and sell business, nor do they impact me very much as a collector. And so I don't I don't really have any negative things to say about the things that they've done so far from the new products that are coming out. I love if they're able to get it, I love their vision of reducing and minimizing and hopefully eliminating redemptions as much as possible in future products. I think that's a great thing for collectors. If they're able to truly grow the base of collectors 10 times or whatever it is that they're wanting to do, that's going to be good for everybody, whether you collect new stuff, whether you collect old stuff, having that many more people who are engaged in our hobby is going to be a good thing. Um, but yeah, it seems like they're, they are a little cutthroat from time to time. And I don't think that's something we're quite as used to in, in the, the recent hobby experience we have. I mean, clearly back in the 50s and 60s, Tops was cutthroat to Bowman, right? You know, we had to have lawsuits for from Fleer to be able to get Donruss and Fleer to enter the hobby in the 80s. And so a little bit of cutthroat, a little bit of exclusivity is not, it's not new to the hobby, But from what we experienced from the 80s to the 90s up through, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when those exclusive licenses started, that's a big change that we've had from those 80s and 90s and and early 2000s era. And so I'm still cautiously optimistic about what Fanatics is going to bring to the to the table in the future. But I have no angst about it based on what I'm currently collecting and what I'm currently buying and selling at this point. Yeah, piggybacking off a couple of things you said, a couple of good points in there, a lot more than a couple, but a couple I want to focus on. Uh, you know, like you said, you you know, you do, you do, you you hope, you know, sometimes having almost, we'll call it an almost monopoly with Upper Deck sort of retaining its uh, its license, at least for now, unless some other crazy breaking news shocks the hobby world, right? You, I, I don't, you know, you never know anymore. That's one thing. Uh, you know, I always tell people, I don't think so, but uh, like just just when you think you've seen everything, something else uh, does happen. I, I like you pointed out with tops having really the, the whole bag uh, for many years. Right. I think that's sort of what led to some of the problems. Right. There was no competition pushing them 
or driving them to be better. They they kind of you want you want baseball cards. We're it, right? Well, here you go. Here's this year's product. Uh, enjoy and and with not a lot of incentive to, you know, comp, you know there wasn't competition driving them to to get that sale, and that's what worries me now with the current uh, incarnation is that we are we going to go back there. Uh, again and then another great point is something i said when this deal was announced right a 20-year contract it, to me that's too long i don't care what industry that's just way too long for a league a players uh, association to to lock in uh when you think i'm married 24 years mike i know what 20 years is it's a it's a long it's a long time right and i just think you know, five or ten years would have been better, especially, especially Mike. All the more, you have a new company that's never done this before. Like I'm not saying they they don't they're going to hire great people. They have great people already in place, but they're brand new. It's not like, you know, Upper Deck acquired Tops, let's say, where they were already making cards and now they're going to be making baseball cards again. This is a, a completely new realm for them. And so when I heard the twenty years. That to me was more sh- after the kind of like the initial shot got off, uh, you know, settled down. The twenty-year deal was really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just think that's too long for a new relationship to lock in, right? I, you know, it's like when you get married, right? It's supposed to be forever through sickness. Through I get that, but in business, right? Twenty to sign a twenty-year contract is just a long, a long time, and. That I, I just, especially with a new company. Did, I mean, your thoughts on, on the length of, of their their licensing? Yeah, I think the, the disappointing thing to me is my hope was that the next transition we saw was going to bring more licenses per sport to be able to have some more of that competition. That 20-year thing does seem long, you know, but I think one of the things I've been thinking about quite a bit, and it's actually going to be – it's going to come up a little bit in – um, my most recent or my June um, Hobby News Daily article, one of the things I talk about in this upcoming article is the the time horizon mindset that we we bring as collectors. You know, we can get caught up in this this mindset about what's in front of our faces right now, and we lose a little bit of perspective on the long the long horizon. You've been collecting cards since what 1978 or something like that, right? I've been 79. Collecting- You're making me old. 79. Old. I don't need to be one more. I've been I'll collecting get there. cards I'll get there on my own money <laughs> since 86. We've lived through multiple cycles, right? There was a huge run up in prices and hype and everything through the late 80s and early 90s. And we thought cards were, were going to be too expensive and they were running these this hobby into the ground by overproduction and all of this kind of stuff. Well, you know what? There was a little bit of truth to that. Things pulled back, but the hobby adjusted and corrected. And we went into a period where there might have been some, there's a a fewer number of people collecting, but there were still collectors and the hobby was still alive. And we've seen that ebb and flow over these last few years. And it's been crazy hype these last few years. We've had new companies coming in, new marketplaces coming in. We have you know new businesses everywhere. We have new content creators hyping this and hyping that, and we get and worked up a little bit about where things are at with current prices and current you know players and these the licenses shakeups. You know what? If they do good, great. 
you know, if that 20 years and fanatics knocks it out of the park, great. The hobby's going to be strong. If they completely botch it, the hobby's not going to end. There's going to be a correction. Fanatics is going to go away, but somebody is going to come in, step in and fill that void. Worst case is there's a period of time where I don't buy any new products and I continue to focus on the hundred years plus worth of products and cards that are out there that I can go after and pursue and collect and things will still be fine. So if, if we take a step back sometimes and think about things from that long perspective, have a little bit of patience, things are going to work themselves out. Prices are going to come down. Um, certain products are going to come. Certain products are going to go, you know, the hype of, of grading is going to rise. The hype of grading is going to fall. The hype of wax is going to rise. The hype of wax is going to fall. The hype of vintage is going to rise. The hype of vintage is going to fall. There's going to be things that continue to ebb and flow, but there's still going to be a base of us collectors out there who love these little pieces of cardboard with pictures of men on them playing sports or celebrating movies or TV shows for the people who like the entertainment cards, whatever it might be there's still going to be a base of collectors who are patiently waiting it out and are going to wait for that opportunity to get back in and buy the things that they love to buy to collect. And, and I think we just, we got to keep a little bit of that perspective and not just get so focused on what's right in front of us at any given time. Yeah. I feel better already after that. I feel like I, you should send me a bill for like being a, almost a therapist there. I feel a little bit better, but you make great all joking aside. It is great points, right? Sometimes we really, we react so fast and then you don't really see, like you said, the long view. We just see like today, uh, the sky's sort of falling or this is terrible. How, you know, how is this going to work? And, and uh, you know, like we, bo- like we both kind of do. We, we collect a lot of stuff that's already been produced. We don't have to really rely. If we were strictly modern or ultra-modern, we would really be uh, nervous and probably biting our fingernails and that sort of thing about what's to come or what's around the next corner. So I think it, you got to keep things in perspective. So I think that was, uh, that was uh, well said. Uh, let's get, I, I don't want to talk about, I don't know about you, but I don't want to talk about fanatics uh, anymore. You mentioned, you know, your, your shop and, 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 and that sort of thing. You talk about it obviously on your own show. Um, and, and you're there on weekends. It's a, a store within a store. Has the experience, uh, and I know it's mostly been positive for you, as, as illustrated, you know, you're sharing your experience. Has it made you consider maybe doing it uh, in maybe a different location, like full, not full time, but even on a more of a daily basis, like uh, that sort of thing? Or or are you comfortable with this, the current uh, scenario? Yeah, I've learned a ton by having the brick and mortar experience in addition to the selling online that I had been doing for years and years. Um, The additional face-to-face interaction, the face-to-face negotiation when people are are buying and selling with me, um, selling a collection or buying cards that I've got, that that face-to-face negotiation experience is, is huge. Um, the, the dynamics of just the, the back end and the logistics of things and the, the doing the taxes the right way, doing the, you know, planning your cash flow the right way, all of those things that come into play when you're, when you're thinking about having that physical shop are all things that I've, I've learned a ton about. Um, and also that reality of what it would take to, and how hard it is to run a shop 
full-time as your primary occupation and as that primary source of, of income for your family, how hard that would be to do full-time. The setup that we've got with the shop within the shop and um, me just being there for four hours on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, it's a perfect setup for me to still be able to be primarily devoted to my day job and my family, but still have have the physical shop as a, on the side and, and not be too overwhelming. I don't think as long as I'm still kind of in, in kind of my main career age that I would be interested at this point in completely leaving that to do cards full time in a, in a physical location. Uh, it would take some major shifts. My, my primary focus is it would be hard for me to make enough to pay full rent of a Lisa space to pay full utilities to, you know, for what it would take to do that and still make enough to bring home. It would be tough for me to, to go at it from that perspective. And so if anything, it kind of solidified that I love the setup that we've got now, but I don't think I would be interested in doing it full time at this point in my career, you know, maybe when I retire, but at that point, I kind of want a little bit of flexibility and freedom and, you still have that somewhat by selling online. And so I, I, I see myself, you know, at this point, just continuing to sell online at that point, you know, 10 years from now or whatever that might be. And so to, to answer your question, I've learned a ton. I would not give up that opportunity for anything that I've had these last few years. I'm planning to continue to do it for the foreseeable future. As long as that, that current relationship exists with the main LCS that I'm kind of inside of. Um, but no, it, it has not made me want to um, pursue doing that on my own in a separate location. As a former store owner. And, and so a lot of that stuff hits close to home fully understand that. Right. And you know, uh, you know, when you retire, you know, you think that, right. You kind of, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, I want to travel a little bit more maybe than I do now. And, and even to another country, I've never been to Italy. It's on my, on my butt. The heck there's stuff in the U S I've never been to Boston, which is really not that far yeah. from me, uh, new Orleans. Right. So that travel aspect and sort of when I had my store back in, in the uh, 92 to 97, you know, it was the eBay was, was kind of, uh, just getting really revved up and, you know, I was kind of locked into the store and when eBay kind of really became a thing, it was easier to kind of sell to my partner. I've talked about this numerous times, so I'm not going to go all that in depth and kind of do shows and do online stuff and not sort of be. And I loved my store days, Mike, like you said, but, uh, you know, I, I, I also enjoyed the freedom and still being able to buy and sell cards at the same time. And not have my, hey, my friends, hey, we're doing this. You coming? I can't. I got to, it's my day at the store. You know, I had a partner. We had a, a schedule. So, so it, it, I, I fully get that. And, you know, even now I, I occasionally get asked, Johnny, ever think of, would you ever consider a store again? Like you, I would not quit my, my teaching job. Uh, if I did it, it would have to literally be 3.30 to 8 o'clock or whatever I determined uh, closing time. And then I don't know how that would change the dynamic uh, here even. So it's not, it's not even an automatic uh, yes. And so there's just so many, you point out some great points that there's so many variables, right? It's, people think you just, you know, flip the sign over to say open and it's all uh, easy after that. It's not, 
uh, as simple as that. And there's a lot that goes into it. You mentioned taxes and accounting and 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 rent and utility. It's just this. It's it's not a simple equation. You really gotta, uh, uh, you know, do the pros and cons. When you're married, you got children. Uh, you know, and I my my son's grown up. Yours your girls are younger. It's a it's a different situation even for both of us. But I, I think you, I I, I kind of agree with what you said. Even though it's your situation uh, is what it is. Well, kind of coming down the home stretch here, Mike. The national back in your backyard uh, in Chicago. Uh, I know that you appreciate that because you can go. We missed you. We missed you last year. Um, you know, you, you've been to multiple nationals. Uh, it, it's, you know, I call it the greatest show uh, of the year. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl, the hobby, I've, I've kind of coined it. With the kind of landscape changed over the last couple of years, do you anticipate a different vibe at this year's national? I mean, what are your expectations going into to here we're 50 something days away now yeah i'm looking forward to the national again here this this year in in rosemont in chicago um you know the this will be my third and all three so far have been in chicago so 2017 was my first 2000 i guess it'll be my fourth uh, 17 19 21 and then here in in 23 and um, I, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, last year we were we were seeing certain segments of the market start to peak. There's a lot of doom and gloom about the national. Nobody wants to go to New Jersey. It's going to be a ghost town. Everything's crashing. You know, nobody's everybody's going to be wanting to sell stuff and the vendors aren't going to be buying because they're going to be worried about selling stuff. You know, we had all these these you know stories out there and there are bits and pieces of that that I think played out from everything that I heard. But you know, this year we've got kind of this whole nother dynamic of, you know, consolidation that continues to happen. You know, we've started to see some of the startups that we that came onto the scene over the last couple of years start to um, fade a little bit. You know, we've we've seen a couple of those go go out of business or they seem to be on their way of, of going out of business. And I think there's probably a few more that are, are probably um, on that fence, you know, or teetering a little bit. And, and these next, you know, several months or the, the rest of this year are going to be big in drivers of how healthy they are and whether they're going to be able to continue to survive. You know, it seemed like, you know, whatnot was a, a runaway train that was growing and everybody's going on whatnot. We've seen scandals and we know that Fanatics is going to be starting their own, you know, live streaming platform. And I think that has potential to put a, a damper in what what not was trying to do, you know, and, and loop along the way, they've kind of been more slow and steady, you know, growth that they've seen. They're still doing well at a, at a smaller scale, but they're still doing well, but it'll be interesting to see what this live streaming platform from fanatics is going to do to them. Um, the fractional market is changing, right? So all of these, these businesses that were coming into the corporate booth, trying to make a big splash, I think that corporate dynamic is going to be a little bit different, right? You know, there's the the fanatics Panini lawsuit that's going on about the employee employees jumping ship and all of that stuff going on. You know, there's there's I think that corporate dynamic is going to be an interesting thing to observe this year and how much of that boils up and how much of them how well are they able to put on that corporate face and kind of paint that picture of things as business as usual. I think I'm interested to see that 
from the dealer perspective, from the collector's perspective, I expect it to be as busy as ever from everything I've heard with the national opening up additional square footage of uh, to allow for, for more space for, for people and vendors and everything else. I mean, every indication that there's going to be plenty of collectors and plenty of dealers there um, looking to celebrate the hobby. And so that's the piece that I'm, I'm excited about as well. Um, I'll be up there from Wednesday through Friday this year. Um, Friday is my daughter's birthday. And so um, I'm going to need to be home by that night um, to be able to celebrate her birthday um, that Friday. So I'll just be there on the, the first half of the show. That's called uh, being a great dad. And, and some people probably could take a page from that book. Uh, I won't, you know, you either know or you don't know. But uh, uh, that's one thing I appreciate about you, Mike, uh, family first and uh, uh, very important. And, uh, you know, some people wouldn't even say that, right? You know, and yet you're very transparent, like, hey, my daughter's birthday. I'll be home to, to celebrate it. And I uh, appreciate that about you yeah great points with the, the corporate dynamic maybe we see a brawl on the floor are you predicting that did, did i get a hint of that in <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see how how some of these some of these things play out over the next couple months yeah and it, it always seems like at the national there's one kind of storyline that does sort of come out uh, of there so it'll be interesting to see if we get that, what it is, uh, and that sort of thing. But you, you know, you hit it right on the head, right? Regardless of the corporate, regardless of that vibe, the collector vibe, and and the people in the hobby vibe, that's going to be, I think, uh, you know, par for the course. And, and when I say par for the course, I think it's going to be tremendous uh, par for the course. I think this is going to be heavily attended. I think that's a a safe bet uh, to say as. as most of the, you know, the Chicago Nationals I've been to and, and you've been to, to even more, uh, you know, I think it's it's there's going to be no shortage uh, of people going through the door and attending and transacting. And so, uh, you know, like you said, the hobby's never going to, to die. You hear people with the, you know, sky is falling, the hobby is dead. And, you know, my last six shows uh, have all been very good or even better than very good. And, you um, you know, uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm not leaving. Uh, the corporate stuff is nothing I can, it, it, like you, I'm sure you'll agree. It's nothing we can do about it. We're, we're not in that uh, necessarily directly in that realm. It's going to it's gonna play out the way it's going to do. And obviously, it's, sometimes it's going to play out in the courtroom uh, as well, you know, uh, besides just on the business level. But uh, it makes for good content, but it really doesn't affect how we hobby uh, necessarily, uh, you know, unless you unless you let it, I guess is, is the way to say it. So, I look forward to when I know it's in Chicago. And I I know we missed you last year, uh, you know. When I when I know it's in Chicago, for sure we're gonna we're gonna see you. And I look forward to as always uh, seeing with you. I know we we do the tops Q and A. I uh, probably shouldn't say that too loud. It's kind of a little secret kind of thing. And but. Uh, you know, we'll just have to get online early as we always do to get in there. But uh, uh, looking forward to or count, you know, the countdown's begun. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the minute it ends, Mike, I, I guess you feel the same way, especially if you know you're going, you start counting the days uh, to the next one. It goes quick that three, four, five days, whatever you, it's, it's quick. And uh, you sort of got to have a game plan or you, 
you won't you won't get to do everything uh, you want to. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I know you are too, and we'll we'll kind of take notes uh, together and see what we uh, we'll compare them uh, when we're there. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's always great to see some people that um, you don't get a chance to to interact with face to face, except for the big events like the national. And so I'm, I'm excited to get to, to meet some people face to face that I have met over these last two years, only online and also get a chance to see folks like you who we've interacted face to face, you know, over these last several years and get to see you again. I'm looking forward to the relationships probably um, first and foremost, and then getting a chance to dig through some dollar boxes at the, at the singles club and, and belly up to some, you know, monster boxes with Dr. Beckett and one million. I was going to say, you're going to have to fight Dr. Jim. You're going to, it's like boxing out in basketball. You're going to have to get like a good spot and like, you know, get in front of the boxes. Before I, I always say that there's a couple of years ago, people were like, are you, do people still go through dollar boxes? I'm like, tell you what, I was at the singles club and in a row it's Dr. Jim. It's me. It's one million Cubs bow and it's Uncle uh, Uncle Rich and I'd say that's pretty good company to have all yeah. back to back to back to back going through those boxes. So, well, listen, it's coming up. We're we're crossing the days off the calendar and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, anytime. But uh, always at the national and uh, Mike, I appreciate you coming on and, and making some time and uh, sharing your. Uh, your insight and your knowledge. And uh, I always feel better. It's weird. I always, it's not weird, but I always feel better uh, when we conversate, whether we're recording or not recording. I just, it just, uh, you know, you bring that sort of perspective and, and sort of that uh, voice of, of reason, if you will. And uh, always appreciate it. Hey, I, I appreciate you asking me to, to join you. It's always good to catch up. No doubt. All right, Mike, we'll see you soon. Yep. Talk to you later. Well, I appreciate you checking out that conversation. I'd love to hear what you thought about it. If you've got any thoughts on any of those topics, reach out to me on Twitter at the Mike Summer. Send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Find me on TikTok and Instagram at waxpackhero. Let me know what you think. That is all I have for you today. I'll catch you next time.